Hello, friends. Welcome to episode four of the Depressed Breakfast Club. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about toxic friendships and relationships, um, how they become toxic, what makes them toxic, and how they affect your mental health. Uh, I'm Dana. And before we get going, I'm going to once again remind you all we are not medical professionals. The things we say in this podcast um, are ideas and conversations that may work for us when it comes to dealing with our depression, anxiety, and other mental issues. By no means are we telling you that you should quit taking your medication and try what we're trying. Highly, highly do not recommend that. If you think you're having uh, mental health issues, please seek the advice of a professional. And if you have suicidal thoughts, Joyelle is going to give you some phone numbers for somebody who will listen to you. Joyelle? Yep. So if you're feeling suicidal uh, in Canada, you can call uh, 1-833-456-4566, or you can send a message to 45645. And in the United States, you can call 988 or text talks to 741-741. So, okay. yep, so hopefully uh, you'll reach out to those uh, resources and uh, seek some help. And as a reminder, just for anyone who ever wants to reach out for to us specifically, our email address is depressedbreakfastclub at gmail.com. And it's all lowercase, no uppercase at all in there. And you can always send us an email about questions that you want to have answered. Or if you have any topics that you'd like us to discuss. Or if you just want to reach out to us, you're more than welcome to. All right. Now back to Dana for our weekly quote. Uh, just one thing on the email address for European listeners and believe it or not, we do have European listeners. Thank you guys from our side of the planet. <laughs> um, if you have a phone number for a suicide mm. hotline in your country, please, please, please email it to us and we will absolutely say it so that if Anybody else in your country is listening and has suicidal thoughts, they'll know they have a number that they too can call. We, we would greatly appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving forward, um, our quote this week is a good one, and it fits right in with our topic of toxic relationships and friendships. So the quote says, if they don't bring you love, peace or positive energy stop engaging with them simple as that i absolutely love that quote like it's you often see so many quotes that are always about like oh just kind of like tough it out and you'll get there it'll be fine like don't worry about the other people they'll understand or something along those lines so it's nice to finally see a quote that actually says like, okay, if those people aren't 
the right fit for your life, aren't good enough for your life, don't keep them. They aren't bringing something positive into your life. It's not a reciprocal um, relationship. Then they aren't worth having the hassle of if they're just a constant drain on your life. It's not worth it. Exactly. Joyelle, anything to add to that? Um, no, I I agree that, but then I there's a point too where you don't want to cut people off if they need help. Um, I think it's a fine line. Like you know, some people might be going through something and really need you know are down and really need your help, which would draw your energy and stuff. So you don't want to be like too quick either to turn your back on someone okay so on that on that that statement how how would you feel if the tables were turned you went to a friend because you were struggling and that friend wasn't there for you do you keep going to that friend or at what point do you realize That friend is never going to be there for you. Yeah, that's the question, right? That's the hard part of it, especially if you're somebody that is like a really caring and uh, like giving person that wears like their heart on the sleeve. That's when, when do you know that enough is enough, right? When do you realize that? they are just they aren't contributing it isn't just a phase and that Mm -hmm. they're they're taking more than uh what they're giving and I think that's the hard part for a lot of people because when you think about it from the societal perspective of it you're constantly told that you're supposed to be there for people that you're supposed to support them and be with them no matter what but it becomes a question in my mind, of how much is too much? Like, how much do you value? It comes back to kind of like self-worth. How much do you value yourself and your own energy and being able to take care of yourself over trying to take care of someone else who, if you aren't getting something back from them, and it doesn't have to be like a, it's never going to be a 50-50 thing, like no relationship in the entire world, whether it's friendship, romantic, familial, anything, nothing is going to be a set in stone 50-50. I gave you 50% happiness. You give me 50% happiness back. Like it's never going to be that cut and clear. It's always going to be ebb and flow where one time, you know what? I might have 99% happiness so I can give a ton to you girls and then other times it might be like oh hey I'm down at 20% today like I need you guys to try and pick me up and it's finding that balance that I find a lot of people struggle with because they feel guilty over the fact of saying no you know what I don't have it to give today and in toxic relationships the other person normally turns around on you and goes oh well, I guess you don't have the energy to help me. So just like go fuck myself kind of thing. Instead of being understanding and saying, hey, you know what? I've been there. I know the energy that it costs. I get it. I'm here for you today. It's hard too, because I think most toxic relationships aren't something that are short-term. They're they're long-term. And so 
um, it's easy to say that you're just gonna, that you really, it's easy like to realize that this person is not good for you, that they are toxic and that they are not contributing, but it's a whole nother thing to actually do it because, you know, like you said, it like it's long-term usually mm -hmm. so there's emotions involved and it's, it's not just uh, so easy to just go out. Well, yep. You're out the door. So it, that's, I think the struggle of, of a toxic relationship is you, trying to because it takes your own self-worth mm -hmm. away and makes you doubt yourself and then they're like they're usually long term so there's a lot comp more involved and just yes and you i guess you always want to think that maybe you're wrong too right mm -hmm. that absolutely <laughs> that maybe you're just overreacting and and that, you know, maybe you're having an off day and you're being oversensitive. And so, yeah, it's, um, I think it's a very fine line and it's uh, to decide and it's a hard, tough thing, decision to make. And, you know, I never really thought about it until you just said about the, um, the length of time, but it's kind of funny when you look at the fact that if you had a new friend come into your life and they acted the way that these older uh, relationships acted, none of us would think twice. It'd be like, oh, okay, well, bye, bitch. Like, bye, Felicia, get out. <laughs> there wouldn't be that hesitation because you're just like, okay, well, I know I don't deserve to be treated like that. Yeah. And you would just ax that person to move along. And yet, for some reason, when it comes to being treated that way by someone in a a longer term friendship or relationship, etc. You end up putting up with so much more, even though it hurts so much more when it's a longer term thing like that. It's like, okay, it could have been years of horrible uh, attitudes towards each other. And yet you're still willing to put up with it just because you're like, well, you know, I've known them for 20 years, I guess this is just how it's got to be. And you accept it. Yet for someone who you've known 20 hours, you'd be like, get the hell out. Hit the road, yeah. Jack. I ain't dealing with this. Like, I don't deserve that. You can bugger on off. I'll throw my two cents into, into what you're saying, Taylor. Memories. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Imagine having a 30-year friendship with someone and you have amazing memories i'm talking epic road trips meeting your idols singing elton john in the car at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> driving home from chicago on new year's eve day and In the last five years of your friendship, well, the last four years of your friendship, something happened that turned the relationship so totally toxic that you don't know what to do with it, but you keep reaching out and giving because you have those fabulous memories and you want to hold on to that friendship so how do you 
how do you deal with not wanting to lose that? I mean, yeah, everybody can say, well, that person doesn't have to be in your life to have, have your, have those memories. But if that person and you are the only two person are the only two people that understand the significance of a certain thing. If you get rid of that person, you now have nobody to laugh with mm -hmm. on that memory. I think it's a difficult thing just because when we have those memories, it's what makes it hard to let go of anything. Like even, even in a toxic romantic relationship, you still have, you're still going to have good memories from it. You're always going to have happy thoughts about like, oh, you know, when times were better, I remember like, this is what happened. Like you with the driving home from Chicago, belting out Elton John. That's a pretty fucking epic memory. I'm just going to say. You got to do. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I was like, just saying I'd be right there with you, like singing out like, uh, don't go breaking my heart. And, uh, uh, I, I'm now just... I love Elton John, and yet I just blanked on every single song he ever sang. He's like, he has so many, and I've just blanked on all of them. Um, but when it comes to something like that, it's exponentially more difficult to try and find the line to cut off where it's, you give them a grace period for so long, and you're like, okay, maybe they'll come back to who they are. They'll come back to being the person that I knew before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things that after so long, you kind of have to take a step back and look at it from a more observational standpoint and be able to say, okay, in the past four years, all of these things have happened and it's shown a new pattern and shown who the person is and that for the time being, that person is now that new version of themselves. It's not that they won't ever go back to being a happier, better version of themselves. They might someday in the future. We never know. But for the time being, it's one of those things that, you know what, you got to get to the point where you feel more comfortable with the thought of saying, okay, I have to say goodbye for now because we're not good for each other you're taking away from my world you're making me question myself making me think that I'm a horrible person telling me that I'm a horrible person and that's not okay you need to re reassess things and if this is who you really want to be have fun with your life if you change and come to the realization that hey how you treated me was not okay then we can talk and reopen communications. But until such a date that that happens, I need you to step back. We need to go our separate ways and take our own journey and work on ourselves, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people don't think they need work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> preach, sister, preach. <laughs> Just put that out there. We, we like to refer to those people as narcissists. Oh, yeah. And those will be a topic in one of our later episodes. I oh. feel like we continually grow and change. And maybe certain people are only 
um, meant to be on our journey for a certain period of time um, to give you those memories, to give you those those good times. And maybe there's a time when you're meant to part ways, which, I mean, doesn't make it any easier. Well, there's yeah. actually a, I had to, damn it, I can't find the one that I want, of course. But there's a saying that goes around for um, a lot of it, that it's a person's either in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. And the trick is figuring out which one those people are. So I have a set of friends that I've been friends with since I was 14 years old. So and long ago. I know, so long. <laughs> and just, I guess when I went through my divorce and just recently, like I put up with like, a, like we have amazing memories, but also during that time, there was times when I struggled and they definitely weren't there for me. It was like, oh, you don't, you know, we have kids, you don't have kids, you know, you only work at Tim Hortons, we do this. So it's like they made like their lives were because they had kids and stuff were more important than mine, that I'm overreacting, that I'm being needy. And, you know, I just let it slide. I just let it slide to this very day. Like just recently, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to let it slide anymore. And so I still, they're still in my life, but not like they were. Because I'm mm -hmm. not like, I just decided that I can't keep, like it was, I was the one that was always calling. And I yes. was the one that was always going over there and visiting. And I was the one that always asking, you know, you want to do this or that. Like, it was always me, 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 me. And never, but then I would see them with other people asking them to go do stuff, asking them, you know, inviting them over and going out with them. And it was like, I've been friends with you since we were 14. Like, why do you treat me like this and that? So I'm not angry at them or anything, but I've decided to distance myself from them. And in that distancing, surprisingly, they now contact me more. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that. And so I still am friends with them, but it's not the same friendship. Yeah. I'm not angry. I'm not anything we still catch up and stuff but it isn't like it used to be and that like we aren't creating great memories like we used to or going out and partying like we used to but we're still got a friendship it's just a different friendship well you change the um you change your expectation for the friendship yes my because... rose colored glasses came off Exactly. You started seeing things for what they were and instead of putting up with it, which I mean, I'm extremely proud of you and Dana, I'm extremely proud of you because you know why I, I obviously yeah. know what's been going on. So I'm extremely proud of you for being able to see that and taking that step back and it's say, hard. okay, 
it was it hard is. because I mean, 14 years old, like that's, you know, that's like oh, more than half my life that I've been friends with them. And yeah. Well, and it is how do, how do you break that? How do you mm-hmm. break that, that bond? How do you decide when you've had enough? I think when you're crying more than you're laughing with them. Yes. And that's exactly it. When they're no longer tears of joy and laughter that are running down your uh, cheeks. And instead it turns to tears. <laughs> of, I was just thinking that too. <laughs> I was going to say it. But what did you say? Or, or down her leg. Because <laughs> oh. we know that happens so often. <laughs> but, but when it switches to the tears of pain and hurt and anger instead, then you know that it's time to reassess things because they're no longer bringing that joy into your life. They're not bringing you support and love and care. They're bringing you hardship. And that's fair to a certain extent. Like if people are going through, like obviously Joyelle with her divorce, her friends should have been there for her. Like that, Mm. I never think twice about helping friends out when they're in a hard spot where it's like, okay, I know people need support at that point in time. They need to be reminded that, they're loved especially when it's something like a divorce separation anything like that you have so many questions about your self-worth on a like a lover scale where it's like no you're worth being romantically loved like I love you as a friend but I will go out and I will find someone for you and be like okay I will go through an interview (laughs) process be like are you good enough for my friend because if you're not I'm throwing you over a cliff here like right into the ocean with you (laughs) You want to know something horrible? And Always. I, I think I think this is this is where my depression messes with me. Norm, Norm and I don't fight. Honestly, we don't fight. I I can honestly say in the in our twenty two years of marriage, we've probably had less fights than I have fingers. Damn. Mm-hmm. I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> this and this is where my brain creates alternate universes. Oof. I I feel like if something was to really go sour in our marriage, I would lose everything because I feel even my friends and family would choose Norm over me. Uh Uh-huh. That's exactly how I felt when I went through my divorce and I took my bottle of pills. I felt like everybody was going to be on his side and truthfully they were. (laughs) And and I was going to have to deal with it all alone. And I felt like I just didn't have the strength. And I think that's something, because I know that's what I felt when uh, things came to an end with my ex this past year. I felt the exact same way when she decided to cut ties and say all the horrible things that she did. I was like, okay, I thought for sure her family members and all that stuff, like all of her friends would just like cut me right off. I thought that even... um, Uh, some of our other mutual friends were going to be like oh no that's it like clearly she's right 
And thankfully, in my case, I was completely wrong as all of them were like, no, we're, we're still talking to you. Like, <laughs> we're still here. What are you talking about? And it's like, oh, well, she made me have a lot of self-doubt. All hail narcissists. Yeah. And their, <laughs> their ability to be able to do that, where it's like, okay, like the amount of self-doubt that you have with that, you're like, hmm, I think the sky is blue, but she said it's green. Well, clearly she's right. <laughs> Frick, even my own family was on his side. <laughs> that's so bad what oh yes my dad had a i had a beer with him and talked about his new girlfriend and her kids and how he was a stepfather now and oh yeah and the world's greatest stepfather too at that not just a stepfather (laughs) holy shit (laughs) i what <laughs> I can't even oh, yes. I can't even comprehend that because to me it's always the thought like even for with Dana's uh uh depressive angle for it it's like my immediate thought is I'd be like well fuck you Norm thank you for helping us get this started but fuck you Norm <laughs> <laughs> how dare you hurt Dana <laughs> yeah and and that's that's the sign of a true friend honestly in my opinion even even having a hypothetical question like if norm and i were to get divorced who would you talk to you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying (laughs) i've i've told that scenario to other people and we don't we don't mention names here but I've told that scenario to other to other people and have literally had them say back to me, well, Norm's such a nice guy, I don't think I could stop talking to him. Uh, but you just do because so, you're you just so it, you it, just do because that's what friends do. And and <laughs> I'm like, so if he cheated on me. And oh. slept with five other women. Oh. You would still be okay with talking to him? Oh God, no! Thank you. Nope. Now, now Mm-mm. I know the level of where our friendship is. <laughs> there, there would be a nasty <laughs> letter. I would say there would be a nasty letter from oh, me just, from yeah. my mama. You're so Canadian. <laughs> I'm reading a letter. <laughs> you don't understand. So as a slight side I'm note. I'm a big letter writer too. <laughs> that's how, if my mom is done with you, she writes you a letter. And when I say she writes you a letter, she'll do about five copies of it. Because the first one is going to be full of fuck you, you fucking fuck. <laughs> and then she gets the thesaurus out, as we call it. Because whenever she takes, whenever she starts doing it, she's like, hand me the thesaurus. <laughs> Like, I don't think you need to look up different words for this. She's like, I'm going to thethorith this person and they're in trouble. That's the end I of never, them. I never want a letter from mama. <laughs> no, you really don't because she's going to precisely she, the way she looks at it is that she's like, when I've given you the letter, it means that I'm done with you because I have laid out the exact precise points 
as to why. Here's the opening statement, here's the five arguments, and here's the (laughs) closing conclusion for you. And it'll be anywhere from three to six pages, depending on how angry she is and how much information she has to give you back and be like, these are the things that you need to work on. Goodbye. (laughs) I said good day. (laughs) I said good day, sir. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Such a Canadian thing, I think, writing a letter. My sister got banned from Facebook and she lives in Denmark now and she wrote a letter. Facebook? Yeah. And I was like, you're so Canadian still. Like, I mean, to be fair, they are very Canadian-esque over there. Like they, we, we're, we're more polite like they are, whereas like our American counterparts would be like, that's how you're handling They're like, no, we know how to handle this. I'm like, oh no, that's too rude. Hold on, I have to write a letter. <laughs> and, you, and you apologize. Dear sir yes. slash ma'am, I am so sorry for writing this letter. <laughs> but the time has come to an end. I apologize if this finds you in a shocking state. However, now the kid gloves are coming off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... You're right, Joyella. It is a very Canadian. <laughs> it is, but it gives. It's very cathartic when you do it because you get all of your emotions out. Like that first letter, you're like angry at everything. Like burn the house down. I'm mad. And then as you get it out of your system, then you're like. Okay, maybe that's not the version I should send. Let me let me like roll that back one. <laughs> okay, let me roll it back again. Hold on, there's still too much swearing in it. And by the time that you're done, you're like, okay, I got it all out of my system. Yeah, you're I like, why was I? It. Why was I mad? <laughs> What's the exactly. letter about? <laughs> you're like, okay, and, I'm good now. <laughs> and you know, you, even from a even from a mental health point of view, even if you don't send those letters. Mm-hmm. How therapeutic is it to just say it? You you let all those emotions out, whether you're clacking away on your laptop or you're writing longhand with a pencil and a piece of paper. It mm-hmm. is so therapeutic to say the shit you need to say, but are so scared to say to their face. Yeah. Well... And weirdly enough, what just came to mind, and it's because we just recently watched the movie, um, uh, at the end of Steel Magnolias, when, um, who is it, Sally Fields? Yes. Uh, Have you never seen the movie? Uh, No. (gasps) How could I I have, but it's been a long time. It's one of the best movies ever. (laughs) I don't do chick flicks, you know that. Neither do I, and yet that's one of my all-time favorite movies. It is so well done, and it's oh, I you do should chick flicks. <laughs> All right, say Norm's probably watched it like eight hundred times because he loves <laughs> Julia Roberts. That's his hall pass. Oh. <laughs> I can't blame him on that. She is very pretty, but honestly, watch it because it's one of those movies that, for me, it's like that's the kind of friendship I want. Like that, Steel Magnolia, Sweet Magnolia. That's the kind of friendship you want. But at the end of the movie. Um, well, obviously I'm giving you spoilers now, but you're still going to have to watch it. <laughs> uh, Julia Roberts' character ends up dying and she's... Um... <laughs> oh, poor Norm. <laughs> Probably wept like a little baby. <laughs> oh, no doubt. 
but um the her mother her mom character is at the funeral and she's holding it together like a proper woman does and then all of the girlfriends get together and they're like how are you doing sweetie like really and the one girl says you know at least now she's with god she's in a better place she's not suffering and she's now she can watch over all of us and her mom just it snaps and she goes from being proper lady uh into saying all of the things that were on her mind about i don't fucking care like it's not fair how come she has to die and now her baby boy is never going to understand what she gave up to give birth to him and all these other things and she's saying all of it and just getting it out instead of having it inside of her head and that to me is one of those best movie scenes because it's like yes you need friends around that you can say those things to because other people would be like oh those are such horrible things to say it's like yes it is it's horrible things to say i get it but we all have those thoughts and it's not healthy to keep them inside your head because then they just keep on playing on repeat and making and then you start having the secondary voice that comes and goes you're a horrible person for thinking these things no one wants to know them when in reality if either one of you came to me and said those things where whatever situation was i'm not going to judge you for it i'm going to be like yeah you know what i had that same thought you're right so it just goes to show it's like people need to have that outlet whether it's writing whether it's screaming those things out to your friends even just saying it out loud to yourself what is it It gets it out of there german heavy metal is that (laughs) yeah i would say jeremy 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 heavy metal (laughs) <laughs> but they might be Jeremy. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe they came in and they sneezed that day on the mic. I don't know. How does the song go? Achoo! Achoo! I'm coughing at you. You know? My, my musical career starts now. I I wish that I had had you ladies when my dad died. Mm-hmm. I was just so angry because it, it happened so fast. I didn't have time to prepare. I didn't have time to process. And I was so angry. And I didn't have I didn't have the support system of being able to vent my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't to my mom. I couldn't to my brother. I couldn't to my kids. We were all grieving. Yep. In the first two weeks after his death, I think two people checked up on me in, in the first two weeks. And, and it, it was like, the, you know, the, these and we get back to the to the toxicity within within the friendship when i'm i'm like literally at my dad's celebration of life and i had one friend from work show up jesus no pardon me uh three friends from work showed up and the ones that I thought would be there didn't couldn't bother now I get it it was a Sunday and that's your day off from work but if it had been 
you're a parent. I would have been there for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's when that's when I started shifting within the friendship. It just got really, really bad after COVID. Or during oh, yeah. COVID, I should say. Yeah, I think COVID probably <laughs> ended a lot of friendships <laughs> and relationships. I would say, I think it was kind of one of those things where it forced everyone to actually take a hard look at the relationships that we had with people. Because you could tell the difference between someone who was checking in on you, saying like, hey, you know, we're all going through a hard time, but how are you doing? What's going on with you? Versus the ones who are just like, oh, yeah, you know, partying outside with my friends, drinking it up. It's like, okay, well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm just, you know, waiting for an invite or wondering what you're all up to, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think it definitely put a new perspective on everything for all of us. At least for me, I know it did. I think so, too, because like I said, with again, going back to my other friends and that I would always like, you know, not constantly, but I would check in with them during COVID and that. And I mean, like, you know, they got each other, they got kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that my one friend also suffers uh, from, you know, depression and that. But I would find the time to just check in and see how they were doing. But you know what? I'm all alone. I have, like, no spouse or anything mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, not it's not once did they take time out of their day to say, Hey, how are you doing? Cause you know, you're all by yourself, like locked up in this quarantine, like, you know, you're off work and this and that. And well, you weren't seeing anybody at all. You were so, yeah, you were, you were the ones that my mom and I would sit around. Cause we, I am extremely happy for the fact that my mom and I live together because her and I spent the days uh, watching movies, doing puzzles, and playing board games. But had I been living alone and had she been living alone, there, there would have been nothing. And those were yeah. the people that I was most concerned about. Because I was like, you, you guys don't have a built-in like, live-in support system. Whereas if you have a bigger family, at least then you have like a spouse. Or someone else to be like, hey, I'm bored. I'm going to come bug you now. Like, you have someone to go for. Yeah. Yeah. Then on the other hand, do you have the people that'll say that, though, being stuck together like that 24-7 was also an eye-opener and a friendship <laughs> and, a, and a relationship ender because you had were forced to have to actually spend time uh with each other and maybe found oh, out yeah. compatible <laughs> yeah there okay, were a lot so. of those <laughs> again i was very lucky because <laughs> yeah. having norm at home was like a blessing in disguise i had two knee replacements mm-hmm. and i couldn't drive for the first two months of my replacement on my right leg because that's the leg you drive with right yep yep so i was so fortunate that he was at home he helped me 
I got to physio. He, you know, do you need, do you want lunch? I can make you something to eat. You know, have, so having him home was like a blessing in disguise. I'm sure I got on his nerves more than he got on my nerves. That's perfect though. Like looking at that, that shows how much of not a toxic relationship that is for the two of you. Like that's, that's the kind of relationship I hope to have when I find my person, like that's what I want. There's no toxicity with it. Like, yes, you two, obviously we know you two tease each other. We know the story about the gigantic TV and then you spraying him with a squirt bottle to make it <laughs> realistic. Oh, look, they iced you when they went by. That is one of my favorite stories. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and it just shows the perfect balance where it's like, it's not a toxic balance. You guys have a great give and take where it's yeah. reciprocal. It doesn't matter what it is. Some days you're higher than him. Other days he's higher than you, but you both lift each other up regardless. Yeah. And that's what I strive for in my future romantic relationships whenever those happen again. And like even just in friendships, like having that where you have that give and take and someone comes in and it's like, hey, bud, I see you're down. Come here, give me your arm. I'm just going to lift you up here. And I'm going to start like dragging you along with me. And they're like, no, no, we don't leave you back here in the dumps. We come up this hill together. Yeah. But I find that that's hard to come by in today's day and age. Or it feels like it's hard to come by in today's day and age. So can I throw a scenario out to you guys and get your opinion? Of course. <laughs> and that this is, this is a toxic relationship within a family. Oof. Mm-hmm. Imagine being a single mom. And you raise your child the best you can. You beg, borrow, and steal to make sure that child has everything they want. You have reached out to the to baby daddy. Baby daddy wants absolutely nothing to do with the child. child grows up gets married has kids of their own and out of the blue cuts you out of cuts you out of their life uh, we can't trust you around our children um you you were mean to me when I was a child. You bragged about spanking my bottom with, with a wooden spoon. You, 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 you said and did mean things to me. From from the the parental perspective, how do you how do you comprehend what they what they have said to you without like without falling so back into your 
your depression and your anxieties and your mental health issues that now you have to up your, your drugs that you're taking. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can, you can't sleep. You spend your days crying because you honestly cannot f- figure out why they're saying this about you. So, so from the parental perspective, how, how would you guys deal with it? So for me, it's difficult because I come from a family of um, like, I don't have interaction with my father because of the way that he lives. Uh, my mother has no interaction with any of her family at all because of their choices and how they behaved. Now, in both cases, they were extreme behaviors, like especially in my mom's case, they were extreme, extreme behaviors where it was beyond toxic. Um, so the parental units couldn't really say too much about it because it's like, okay, well, you guys didn't stop abuse from happening. You were the abusers, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to something more so like that, this is when it would be handy to have like, this is when you want the person to letter you because you want to be able to read through and be like, okay, what perspective is it that the kid has that they think was so wrong because yes, now spanking your kid with a wooden spoon is a no-no, but back in the day, it wasn't a no-no. That was commonplace. It was just what it was. It wasn't abuse. It was just everyone did it. Exactly. It was just discipline. Like I was spanked, I think three times between three and five times when I was a little kid and I learned not to do the things that my mom told me not to do. She did it less than a handful of times. And I knew from that point not to do it. I never hold it against her. So it makes it difficult not having more details from the kid. Like that would be my hard part is I would want to have an open dialogue with the kid and be like, okay, tell me exactly what you think I did wrong and try to get, help me understand and like explain it to me. Why do you think all of these bad things? Like it could honestly just be from the person that they married saying, oh, I don't like your mom and coming up with reasons why not to like the mom. Can I tell you something? Yes. <laughs> what you just said hit the nail on the head. Oh, the spouse no. doesn't. I say see therapy. My, my, my friend is going to listen to this podcast and they know they know why they will they will know why i asked this question their child married a psychology major oh uh, jesus christ yep that <laughs> makes sense now yep everything <sighs> yep. was fine until about a year and a half ago yep yeah it's kind of like a lawyer everybody should be mm -hmm. sued Mm -hmm. i was in their child's life from kindergarten to now and everything that the child 
accuse the mother of breaks my heart because I know I know there was no toxicity with abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to get teased all the time by my family members. Um, Things were said to me that probably shouldn't have been said at times. Did they hurt? Yeah. But I, I'm not seeing it as emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Telling somebody that they can't sing in the shower is an emotional abuse. Yeah. Like hearing them singing in the shower and when they're done, they come out and you're chuckling and say, my God don't try out for Canadian Idol you cannot sing is not emotional abuse no yep agreed on that okay send a little support to my friend it's it's been a long time since they have seen their grandchildren their heart is heavy and hurtful and we hope that someday their child makes the right decision and well, there, there we go about a toxic relationship mm-hmm. between between the daughter and her husband. Truthfully, uh, they might not think it's a toxic relationship, but if like all like just him, if this is all because he's putting these thoughts in her head and that the, she was abused and stuff because other way around, he's the oh. son. Yeah. Oh, okay then it's it's the wife ah the wife is telling the son that yeah they were emotionally abused and And that just that that just drives me crazy because to me but it's we all know it's a common thing like it's a well-known fact that anyone like you said lawyers or psychology majors or even people who like to dabble in psychology Mm-hmm. they think that they understand all of it it's like no you don't understand the entire situation so unless you hear both sides of it you will never fully understand what was going on and there may have been things that okay hurt her son or caused some sort of damage but you don't cut your parent off without trying to talk to them first and saying hey okay so growing up you know when you did this or you did this this is the outcome that came from it Like you try to talk to them. For me and my father, I have sent him multiple texts, long text messages about what was wrong and why I said I wasn't going to talk to him or anything like that to give him the chance to change what he was doing or to acknowledge the fact. But with you, he didn't. With you, that's like like your dad was an alcoholic, and that this sounds (laughs) more like she just actually disciplined her child Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, yeah and that like uh, nowadays uh, this is why i do not have children and people are probably going to disagree with this (laughs) (laughs) and that because i'm all for discipline and i'm sorry Mm -hmm. i'm all for spanking Mm -hmm. and that i'm not for uh, into like beat your child and everything like that 
but I felt there was more respect and that like I know by no means did I have a good childhood I was not physically abused though and but I sure the hell was disciplined and I was uh sure knew my my place not to Mm -hmm. uh what was acceptable and I was afraid of my dad Oh God. Yeah. My, well, for me, my, my dad, <laughs> my, my dad was a very gentle being. He, he, he was God bless the Hungarian people. They have such a laid back, almost like a Jamaican vibe to them without, without the, the pot. accent. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the pot. We're like the accent. <laughs> Shows where our brains are. <laughs> my it took a lot for my dad to get angry and by Mm. mean a a lot I mean a lot before my dad raised his voice my um, I'm going back a few years because you know I am in my 50s (laughs) let's take it back to like 1977 here kids oh good god I was one years old I was my not brothers and I yet. were jumping. My brothers had um, single beds in one room, and they they were apart, and we were jumping from bed to bed. Oh yes! And my dad came home from work, and he heard us upstairs. Boing, boing, boing. <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing and jumping from bed to bed, and he came upstairs, and that bedroom door crashed open. and you could see the smoke coming out of his nostrils (laughs) the fire in his eyes he went downstairs now dropped downstairs and my dad had what was called the board of correction it was about a foot and a half long so not very long but it was about an inch thick. Oof. And there was there was a little saying on the front of it. And I don't remember what it was. But on the back, there were spots for signatures. <laughs> and my father bent each of us over his knee. And smacked our asses with that thing. Oh. And he said, when I tell you not to do something don't do it do you think i learned my lesson i sincerely hope so unless suddenly you start although i guess it would depend if you tell me that now you like paddling then i know my answer i I don't know just knowing dana i just feel she did not learn her lesson (laughs) (laughs) i learned my lesson i did not ever jump on the beds ever again but you know, later on in life, when 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 my dad was alive, and we'd tell that story, and we 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 would we would chuckle over it. And the one day we we were making Christmas cookies, and we were talking about it, and we were talking about the board of corrections, and we're all like, "Oh, the board of correction, right?" And my dad, my dad looked at me. He goes, "You don't know how much that hurt me to to do that to you guys mm-hmm. that day." Mm. Yep. 
But do you and, feel and, you were abused? Like, do you feel that that was no, abuse? No, I don't feel like I was abused. I feel like my father told me not to do it. Mm-hmm. I defied him and did it anyways. And he caught me and I was punished. Yeah. That's how I was like for, uh, for when my mom raised me because she didn't want to be anything like her family and her family is nothing but abusers like literally beat the crap out of her beat her to death one time but she came back Um, (laughs) so she came back she's still alive but she was like three years old when that happened the first time and she never wanted to be like that so she talked to her to her um her grandma who we called grandma honey one of the sweetest beings in the entire universe and my mom was like in tears. She's like, grandma, what do I do? Like, how do you know when to spank a child and when not to? And my grandma, honey, gave her the words of wisdom of don't get yourself frustrated over something that's not going to affect their life. And she's like, well, yeah, but my kid's trying to wear like polka dot socks with a pink shirt or something like that. And she was like, so the other kids will make fun of her. It'll be up to her whether or not she wants to change and conform to that or not. She said, but when you do spank a child, it's going to be something that's life-threatening, where it's more beneficial to spank them and make sure that they never do that thing again versus letting them do it and learn the hard way. So the first time that I got spanked and my father got verbally destroyed was when I was but a wee one and there was construction going on in the house. My mom was taking night courses. And she was like, okay, here's the baby. Make sure you watch her. Like, get off the computer. Stop playing your video game. Watch our kid. I'm going to go to school. I'll be back in a couple hours. Okay. He then proceeded to turn around and continue gaming. And I took one of the metal tools that he had. And I wandered around and then jammed it into an outlet. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was a pretty baby back then. (laughs) I was like, what does this do? (laughs) Thankfully, I jammed it into the grounding part of it, so nothing happened. But my mom came home, saw that, and was livid, spanked me, and was like, don't you ever do that again. You could have really hurt yourself. And then proceeded to have like her head spin around when she turned to my father, who was still on the same video game. Oh, my God. And hadn't left and turned and went, oh, no. Like, oh, you're screwed. My bum hurts, but you're going to be worse. (laughs) But that was the difference like to me i never felt abused even to this day i don't i'm like no that taught me don't do stupid things that are gonna cause my life to become shorter drastically i was like i learned don't stick metal in outlets so i on the other hand had to write lines me and my sister had to write lines and then we had to proceed while we were writing our lines to be lectured about what we did wrong (laughs) And it would go on and on and on to the point where I was like, just beat me. (laughs) This will be quicker. I was going to say, that would be my response. I would be like, please just spank me and make this be over. I was like, just just hit me because it would go on for so long that it would would be kind of like, (laughs) like you don't even remember what you did wrong. Because like the lecture would go off on to some other path. Yeah. And, I, and I think it was like my dad just talked to hear himself talk. 
<laughs> Next thing you know, he's blaming World War II on you. Yep. And you're like, so I do not support Hitler. Yep. All, all because, all because I mooned a car. <laughs> <laughs> the sentence, the plot twist in that was amazing. <laughs> The one thing we weren't expecting. Yeah, why were you out mooning a car? You mooned a friend of mine. They called and told me. How could they identify you by your butt? That's what I right? want. We, to did it, we did it right in. We did it right in front of our house. So oh, I mean, we were very bright about it. Gee, <laughs> I wonder whose kids those are. Royale, have you never heard? The saying you do not shit where you eat. <laughs> that also applies to mooning. <laughs> there weren't a lot of us in the neighborhood. I grew up in the county. I don't think it would have mattered how many houses I went down. Oh my oh, god, that's ladies. fantastic. Like that that plot twist just was not expected. Oh, what were you writing lines for? Well, I mooned the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was amazing <laughs> well I hope that if anybody out there has uh, toxic friendships relationships that they're going through ask you all to reach out to us at our email we uh, we may uh, start inviting guests onto the show we haven't mm-hmm. decided yet but we'd love to hear how you handled your toxic toxic relationship or friendship. Some of us are still going through them and don't know how, how to handle them. So some of us may need a little help. <laughs> it's why we have support networks who come here and be like, no, that's, I think that's one of the other key factors too, is that to be able to identify the toxic relationship, you have to have a good support system who comes along and reminds you how good you are and how worthy you are of being treated better and being loved and that you're not crazy for thinking that you're being mistreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, some, sometimes it's, it's nothing more than a text message from somebody you totally don't expect to hear that from. And they, and they literally say to you, why are you letting them bully you? You're a good person. You have a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. And you, you're taken aback by it because you don't expect that person to say that to you. And I had that moment <laughs> last week mm-hmm. where I, I got that text message from somebody I never expected. So, yeah, I get it. And I hope that anyone who listens to this knows that they're always worthy of being respected, being loved, and that they are enough for all of it. There's never a question of whether people are enough or not. You are. The answer is you are. As just a basic thing in life, you are worthy enough of love and respect. Just as a base value, doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, you deserve to be loved, you deserve to be heard, and not spoken down to. Yes. I think just uh, realizing too is a big step mm-hmm. is, is being able to recognize that somebody is toxic for you is, is a really big first step. So I agree there, with that. Yeah. 
yeah that that that's a very uh very wise thing to to end with yes it is so just remember that if anyone needs or wants to reach out to us it's depressed breakfast club at gmail.com all lowercase and like dana said we're hopefully going to maybe have a couple guest speakers in future to kind of get a a different perspective on it and we have a bunch of episodes planned out because i've been creative this week and (laughs) and dragging the other two ladies along with me going hey i've got like 26 episode ideas we're good for at least half a year (laughs) and and again you can find us on podomatic.com and other platforms from there but podomatic is our main platform uh please follow us give us a like we would appreciate it it helps when you follow and like us or leave a comment it helps our podcast to stay in a relevant area where people can easily find us so we would appreciate you doing that you can also find the depressed breakfast club on facebook we have a page where you can come and you can post on the wall you can leave us messages you can send us messages everything is set up and we will we will also have like coming soon once taylor gets that done we'll have the itinerary of upcoming episodes (laughs) and for a second things that we will be discussing and if there's something that you want us to talk about feel free to to leave us a message we greatly greatly appreciate it so thank you all for listening today again we love you you matter and we'll see you either next week or the following week if we keep up with this weekly thing